Hey guys, welcome back to Skincare Anarchy. This is Ekta, and I am here today by myself because I cannot wait to tell you guys about the Safe Seal. So the Safe Seal is now officially available. It's live. Our first partners have already started utilizing it and displaying it on their products, their websites. I am just so excited to see this come to life because it has been in the works for way before Skincare Anarchy. This was something that I wanted to bring somehow to this industry and I'm really excited that we've been able to get it off the ground, get it going and we've seen such great support already from all the brands out there. So huge thank you to every single brand founder that has backed us up on this. I really, really appreciate you guys. You are the trailblazers of this industry and we need more founders to be thinking on this level of science and how to integrate that science in a comprehensible way for their consumers to understand, to utilize for purchasing decisions and then just really use you know, overall to understand themselves better, their concerns, their health concerns, skin health concerns, wellness concerns, all of these things that we oftentimes as consumers, we don't know what product is going to work for us. We don't know what product is right for us. Is it something we can trust? Is it something that's safe? fundamentally. And a lot of things when we talk about that's really where I want to start is this idea of safety. I think when it comes to the OTC world of products, the words efficacy and safety and being approved, there's a huge gray area here. I mean, let's be honest, you know, how many times have you guys seen a seal or some sort of marking on a product and just wondered, what does this even mean? What is the relevance of this to me as a consumer? What does this mean for whatever it is I'm trying to target? I mean, it's very hard, right? I mean, I know I've been in that boat many, many times. And so when I was really putting together these uh, criteria that we wanted to put down for the safe seal, that was one of the fundamental principles was it has to be something relatable. It has to be something where if you are a consumer and you look at that seal, you know that this is actually from a scientific perspective, there is not any obvious thing here that can go completely wrong and it's going to become a thing where now it becomes a liability on you because you've been using this product. I really wanted to create that because that is, I think, has been one of the biggest pain points for consumers for a very long time is that there's a lot of promises being made. But at the end of the day, there's always somebody who comes through the woodworks and says, well, no, I don't know about that because listen, I had this and this reaction or this and this happened to me. So yeah, that is the kind of clarity that we wanted to provide a skincare anarchy and that that's where I want to now dive in, tell you guys exactly what I mean when I say, is a product scientifically viable? Is it something that has been truly assessed for its potential? So let's dive into the safe seal. The safe seal is basically comprised of 11 hallmark principles and foundational concepts that myself and the committee that sits down and evaluates every single product, every single brand considers. And these 11 hallmarks define if a product has gone through the right amount of testing, the right testing, actually, there's a lot of things on the market right now that allow businesses to be able to say, well, we did our homework, we did the testing, we put the dollars behind this and all of that. But when you look at it from the lens of science, you have to be very specific when you say that. Brands have to be very specific with what tests they're conducting, what matters, and what really translates from theory to real life. And that's something that is, I found to be very fundamental here. So the first thing on the agenda is really this idea of peer review. In the realm of academic science, for those of you listening that might not have that science background, 
Peer review in science is something that we really pride ourselves on as a community. It's something that allows us to make sure that whatever we're publishing, whatever data we're putting out there as scientists is not only accepted by us, but our colleagues and mentors and other people in the same fields and same disciplines of science can actually stand behind. They can understand and they can see that this has been conducted in a good way and it makes sense what you're saying or what you're claiming here and what the data is. For example, if you have a set of data and you're now extrapolating and saying that because of this data, this is true. That is something we like to avoid in science. It's not supposed to ever be that kind of a situation where a brand says, we got this data and this means such and such and such. That's absolutely false. And that's, I think, one of the most fundamental principles of statistics is that you cannot imply causation ever. And so that's something that we look at. So the first thing is really brands have to provide peer-reviewed published data that is addressing the testing of a product's formula for pharmacology, for its kinetics, for toxicity, and any potential adverse effects. Now, this is something I'm very passionate about because I have seen both sides of the spectrum of medicine, right? I mean, I have had the privilege of being on the side of research as well as on the side of clinical medicine. And one thing I can tell you is sometimes there is a very fine line between things that actually, you know, in a lab setting look to be really favorable, really great, but then you bring them over to the clinical realm and it's just a mess. So when it comes to this realm of integrating both, you know, bench research, with actual applied, you know, clinical outcomes, there's a very strong need to apply the principles of pharmacology and pharmacokinetics and assess toxicity of, um, you know, formulations and assess whether, you know, something is actually going into your bloodstream. And if it is going into your bloodstream, um, how long is it staying there? You know, are you going to get rid of that? Is it something that can harm you down the long run? Have you done any studies on that? You know, testing the, you know, pharmacokinetics and the pharmacology and toxicity and any potential adverse effects that could occur. Has a brand put that thought into their products? This is the number one fundamental rule we have for the safe seals, the number one criteria that we look for. And I understand, you know, a lot of brands, for a lot of brands and many, many, you know, businesses, this is a hurdle right now because there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a fence really, you know, where there is not enough ability uh, to these kind of labs, these kind of uh, places that you can do this kind of testing. So that's something that I want to also mention here is that because we have created the seal, we have also partnered with a few labs that we can definitely guide you if you are a founder listening in and you want to get this kind of testing done, we can definitely connect you with the right labs and get the right amount of data that you need and the right kind of data that you need to be able to fulfill this requirement. Now, moving on. So number two, the second requirement is documentation of the safety of all ingredients used in your formulation. I'm talking from the water uh, down to the very last ingredient that is on that inky list. We want to see documentation of all of the safety, um, you know, data around those ingredients. This is usually provided by manufacturers. This is usually provided by, um, you know, people that have already done this work because they are now utilizing it in their formulation combinations. You know, a lot of big manufacturers and a lot of big, uh, 
labs that put these products and these formulas together, they, you know, are given this information. So we want to ask brands to show us where's the documentation, you know, have you looked at every single ingredient and you know, everything that is related to the safety of that ingredient. So that's the second thing. The third thing is that we want you to provide as a brand, we want you to provide any and all qualitative data about the product's efficacy from consumer research, from survey data, from reviews, you name it, anything qualitative, tell us about it and tell us what you have learned from that qualitative data. Give us an understanding of what are people and consumers actually saying about your products. You know, if somebody, like, I know a lot of you can relate to this. For example, there were um, many times where on these big retail websites, right, it says things like 99% of consumers found this to help with wrinkles. Well, give us that data, you know, show us where those reviews are, show us who said that, are they verified, uh, you know, people who are buying these products. Sometimes um, what happens in the realm of beauty and business is that a lot of these reviews can be fake. And we want to make sure that that's not the case with the brands that we're approving for the safe seal. We want to make sure that the consumers have had a chance to voice their opinions, to voice their concerns, and truly review your products. And we want to see that qualitative uh, information come in so that we can then understand the link between your quantitative analysis and your qualitative uh, that you've gathered over the months or the years that your product has been on the market. So that's very, very important to us as a committee. Number four is we want you to report the average time for a product to show results. Now, I know this is a big, big problem in especially the realm of skincare. Skincare, I think, is something that, you know, there's always this two-sided situation going on in this in this industry where, you know, people are all about either, you know, immediate results or they're all, they're all invested for that long-term gain. For example, with sunscreen, you know, we all know that, hey, it's preventative. You know, if we apply sunscreen every day, it's going to help us reduce the signs of aging in the long run, right? Well, we want to know, you know, in average, on average, what is the time it takes for your product to truly show remarkable results, whether that's before and after photography, um, whether that's any kind of, um, you know, imaging studies that you've done to look at the the volume um, of, you know, tissues and, and to look at things like that. You know, we want to see all of that and really understand how long does this product take to actually show results and is it worth consumers investing in it, um, you know, to even if they're patient, is it really going to give them something at the end of the day? So that's very, very important to us. The next, the fifth thing on the list is you, we want you to report potential and any reported side effects for each ingredient and the product itself, um, while it's when we're evaluating it. And I, I find this to be actually one of the most important, um, hallmarks in our analysis is that, you know, really we sit down as a group of scientists, group of medical practitioners and, we really want to see this, you know, because side effects and adverse effects are the bane of any clinician's, <laughs> you know, uh, practice. And, you know, it, it's really kind of a thing that we are very, very careful about, especially when it comes to things like, obviously, you know, pharmaceutical drugs, right? We always advise our patients, hey, listen, you know, there might be some side effects. Here are the side effects. And we're very, very transparent about that. And I want this industry to get into the habit of doing the same thing. You know, it's very important. I can't tell you guys how many times I've gone on to Reddit or these forums and I've seen people, just massive amounts of people saying, hey, I used this in this product. I thought it was going to be great for my acne. 
Well, it turns out I now have these really dark spots when in reality I was hoping it would clear my acne up right? So these are real stories, guys. These are real concerns. And I don't know if any of you out there have experienced that kind of thing, but that scares me to death. You know, I, as a consumer, that scares me to death. So I want, when, you know, when we sat down and we came up with the safe seal requirements, this was something that was definitely on top of our list. We want to make sure that your product is actually going to do what it's saying it's going to do, you know, and we want to know if it is going to do that, are there any other side effects that we should be aware of, you know, as, as consumers? So that's something that we do ask brands to tell us. Sometimes, I'm not going to lie. If there's a new product on the market, it takes time for it to gather traction. It takes time for it to get into the hands of consumers and then to get that data back from consumers, you know, and to really understand this uh, side effect profile. But we like brands to be able to be transparent about this. Tell us what you got. Let's see, you know, where we're at with it. And as long as you are open and transparent, I think that goes such a long way in the realm of um, creating true safety in this OTC street. And so I really, really encourage brands, you know, even if you don't have a lot of data here about this specific, uh, you know, bullet point, I suggest just send us whatever you got, because that is going to tell us what we need to know. Now, the thing, sixth thing on the list is we want you to provide your statistical analysis of all of the data that you've gathered. Now, you might be wondering, actually, this is starting to sound a little redundant for the non-scientific you know, scientific, uh, person, right? But it's I promise you it's not. Statistical analysis has been at the root of so many mismarketed products. Like, I cannot even tell you guys how much you can do with statistics. You can make something look like, say, for example, you've got like, you know, a bunch of random information, right? You can run statistical analyses and, you know, kind of uh, turn that information into whatever it is that you need to turn it into. And that is a real phenomenon that's occurring, not only in this realm, but in the actual scientific community on the, in the academia side. People do this all the time and they actually get flagged for it when they're going through, you know, journal reviews and stuff by editors because statistical analysis has its own set of principles, has its own set of guidelines. And you have to show us that you have either consulted with an organization or a bioinformatics company or a statistical analysis company that has actual proof that they've conducted your analysis in the right way, meaning in the correct way that is the standard in the world of science. And and we want to see it. That's the most important thing. We want to see your statistical analysis. It's not good enough to just say, hey, yeah, we went through statistical analysis and this is what we have. And then extrapolate all that information in a way that is very misguiding to consumers. We want you to not do that. So we want to make sure that you have done the homework there as a brand, that you've consulted the right people. If you have not, we definitely can refer you to the right places to make sure that this is done properly. That's absolutely huge for us. The seventh thing on the list is a little bit, might go over the heads a little bit with uh, all the consumers out there that are listening in, but this is really about good laboratory practices. They're known as GLPs. I know the FDA right now is working very hard through their mocker initiative to make sure that manufacturers are undergoing the right steps to ensure that what is being produced and what is being manufactured is actually falling in line. So we want to see your on the side of the laboratory the same kind of thing. We want 
want to see that the laboratory is practicing, you know, safety guidelines. They're practicing good techniques. Their personnel have been trained. So you can easily obtain this from whatever lab you're working with. They should have some sort of documentation that actually is proof of this. They're actually required as a laboratory to provide this. They go through annual reviews. There's a lot of things that happen on the lab level that a lot of times brand founders might not know about, but it is very much okay for you to ask for that proof from any laboratory that you're working with. So please ask them and please make sure they provide you with that so that we can then look at it. There are some members of our committee that are very well versed in this area and they're very much able to kind of sort through it and make sure that yes, this is a legitimate lab and this has not been made in Sally's kitchen somewhere without any preservatives and all that stuff around some contaminated things and, and whatnot. So we want to see that. The eighth thing on our list of the 11 is that you have to prove that the packaging of your product will not interfere with its chemistry. Now, this is something I am so passionate about. I have, I have gone on massive rants with colleagues, with friends, with just people that reach out to us about how important the role of packaging is in the OTC realm. When you get a product in your hands, guys, it's not the same as it was the second that it was bottled. It doesn't matter if there's airtight packaging. It doesn't matter. Regardless, there's going to be some sort of an alterations in its chemistry. Now, how can we combat that? The best way to do it is to make sure that you're doing absolutely everything imaginable from the brand side to make sure that your packaging is, number one, airtight. It is not prone to being where your products will get contaminated, those kind of things. So we want to see that information that you do have about the packaging. We want to know what were some of the steps that you took to make sure that your packaging was going to be up to par with these standards. So definitely that is a very big part of the safe seal is to make sure that the delivery of your finished product is being delivered in the right vehicle and the right vessel. And that is your packaging. So definitely want to check that out and review that because a lot of you know as consumers, for example, vitamin C, it oxidizes. Well, it's the same situation with a lot of ingredients, not just vitamin C. This is a massive problem. And anytime you have any kind of chemical interaction with different gases and different environmental factors, there's a level of degradation that's occurring. So the best way that we can combat that as of right now is to make sure that our packaging is up to par, that the brand has spent a sufficient amount of funds making sure that what they're actually delivering into the hands of consumers is as close to as it can be to what was manufactured and bottled up. So that's very, very big for us. The ninth thing on the list is that we want you to report any reviews from patients with clinically diagnosed skin conditions that have perhaps used your products. Now, this is one of the criteria and this, I think, a good time for me to mention something. Although we have these 11 things in mind and 11 things in front of us when we're analyzing any product or any brand, it's very, it's a very big thing for us to keep in mind that the smaller brands, the indie brands, will not meet every single criteria fundamentally based on the availability aspect uh, for them as founders. There are certain things that are restrictions for them, okay? And I understand that completely. The committee understands that completely. So we know that sometimes if you're an indie brand, you have maybe two, three, maybe 10 reviews, and it's not a lot of information. But it's very important that if you are a brand, that you do serve people that have actual skin conditions, actual medical conditions that you actually ask them, can you give us some sort of a feedback if they're willing to do that? And if you have that information, let us know. 
you know, let us know that this is something that's been used by somebody that suffers from a specific condition or, and they have special needs when it comes to what they're looking for in a product, to, whether it's for hydration, whether it's for redness relief, whatever that might be. It's a lot of times people that have actual things like, for example, eczema or rosacea or whatnot, they might chime in and let you know as a brand that, hey, listen, your product is amazing. You know, it really helped me. And we want to know that. So let us know. And this is something that, again, like I said, there will be a little bit of wiggle room for a lot of the indie brands out there that don't have this data yet. So we're not very like, we're very strict in making sure that we're definitely making sure and checking off all of these 11 parameters, but we have built in some wiggle room for the smaller brands, for the indie brands that are still getting all this information together, but they are on the right track. They're doing things as perfectly as possible, as correctly as possible. And we understand that. So there definitely is a little bit of wiggle room. Now, number 10 on the list is we want you to provide proof of patch testing. So for a lot of people listening, patch testing is a fundamental when it comes to any kind of cosmetic product that you are utilizing. Why? Because you know that saying where whenever you buy something new, make sure you try it on like your arm or like, you know, your hand before you put it on your face. Well, I cannot tell you from um, an immunology perspective, from an allergy perspective, how relevant that is. I've definitely had my fair share of a bad reaction or something like that when I've just been testing out a formula for myself right as a consumer and I want to make sure that we are holding brands accountable for this and asking them have you done patch testing patch testing is absolutely fundamental you have to have proof that what you have produced here the formula that you have created is not going to cause any type of type 1 hypersensitivity reactions or anything that's going to exacerbate something right so we want that proof of patch testing there's a lot of different labs that do patch testing we can definitely get you in contact with some people some outlets that if you don't have any resources as a small brand, we can definitely guide you there. So please don't hesitate to reach out. And that's something that's actually built into our packaging of the different packages that we have for the safe seal, depending on what you're opting for. So yeah, we can definitely help you out there if you are a small brand and you need a little bit of guidance on who to go to and all of that stuff. We can help you out there as well. Now, the 11th thing, and this is the final parameter on our list, this is you have to account for the timelines of testing and how many times the formula was recreated and you have to document why it was recreated for each one of those iterations. This is so, so important to me and it's very important to a lot of people on our committee because we all understand as scientists, as consumers, as just people, right, that you're never going to get it right on the first try. You know, it's very rare to get it right on the first try and that's okay. There are certain products that I've interviewed brands that said, Acta, we went through like 80 iterations of this one formula. And I'm, you know, it, it's kind of mind blowing when you hear them say that, but it's true. It really does take time to get something right. So one of the big things for me is I want to know that a brand has put the time and the energy into making sure that their formula is as close to what they consider perfect as possible. And this is going to require multiple revisions of that formula, refinement, revisiting it for purposes of efficacy, for texture, whatever. We want to see it. So make sure that if you are providing us information, we want to see that exact amount of iterations that you've gone through. And why did you do it? Tell us why. What was missing the first time around? What do you think was lacking? Was it taking away anything from the efficacy of your product? Was it taking anything away from the experience of your product, from the experience of the formula? So all of that is very, very important. And I and I really, really encourage brands, if you haven't been documenting this, I mean, I, I think that's rare because it gets done pretty automatically 
automatically make sure that you're keeping track of how many different revisions it took to come to the final formulation. So yeah, that's it, you guys. That's the 11 hallmarks of our safe seal. Those are the 11 parameters that we're testing. And although these are really great to list off, I want to make it very clear that the people who are analyzing all of this information coming to us for a brand are all vetted scientists, doctors, and true medical and science professionals. They're not people that you can fool. They are kind of a tough bunch, if I may say so. And so they're really looking for transparency. They're looking for the real deal here. And that's the whole purpose of the safe seal is to differentiate the real deal products from all this marketing fluff that we have out here. This is something that I think has been long overdue. I have not seen it done in the industry. And that's why we decided it was time that we created our own seal to make sure that we can show this and that we can provide this to consumers and provide this to anyone who sees your products that, listen, this is a brand that has put real thought and real effort into what they've created here. And this is why you should buy it. So I really, really encourage you if you have any questions at all, whether you're a consumer, whether you're a brand founder, whether you're a chemist or any medical professional, let me know. I'm happy to have the discussion going to even more depth, more of an understanding of what we're doing here with the safe seal. But for now, I'm going to leave you guys with that, let you kind of digest it a little bit. Let me know if you guys have any questions at all. And I am really excited to unveil some of the brands that have already hopped on board with this and already supporting this initiative. I am so proud that we have an industry that is open to this level of discussion, that is open to this level of transparency being in their brand, in their foundation as a brand, in their DNA. So I really hope to see the Safe Seal grow over the years, and I hope that all of you out there will support us in our mission to make this whole industry, this whole arena, just a more trustworthy place, a safer place for everybody. And for now, thank you. I'll be back next time.